Backchat. 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 Politics and current affairs. Backpack. Backchat. Backchat. Your alternative to talk back. Yes, indeed. You are listening to Backchat on FBI Radio, your freshest rap of news and current affairs. I'm Shami Sivasubramanian. And I'm Eden Faithful, filling in for the lovely Swetha Das. Uh, you just heard Can't Sing, a different song by Ricky Lee, Maserati by Bachelor Pad, and Meditation by Goldlink, as well as Heart of Steel by Likey Lee, back to back this morning. We're giving you all of the greatest songs here at Backchat. Uh, but this week, we saw a landmark decision by the courts to dis- Disregard Cardinal George Pell's appeal against his conviction for historic child sexual abuse, as well as another meltdown of Sydney's public transport system. But, as always, we're going to be giving you the news that you might not have heard on your airwaves this week. Today, we're going to be hearing a story from our producer, Natalie Sekolovska, who spoke to Lena Nalus from Diversity Arts Australia. They discussed a survey released by the organization that shows a significant lack of representation of culturally and linguistically diverse leaders in the sector. And as always, we want to hear from you. Let us know what you think of the package by texting in on 0409 945 945 or tweet us at Backchat FBI. It's going to be a banger of a show. To show us all what a beep lying, beep backstabbing, beep treacherous, beep beep she is. Thanks. Colin. Backchat, your alternative to talk back. A recent report from Diversity Art Australia titled Shifting the Balance has shed some light on the necessity of having a greater representation of diverse leadership in the arts across the nation. The report is a survey of 200 of Australia's leading arts and culture organisations, government and funding bodies, festivals and prize panels. It found that culturally and linguistically diverse Australians are underrepresented at the leadership level of every single sector. Our producer, Natalie Sekolovska, spoke with Diversity Arts Australia's Lena Nalus about the findings and what we can do to further encourage representation in the arts. Here it is. Hi, Lena. Thanks so much for joining us today. Your report shows culturally diverse Australians are underrepresented in leadership positions in the arts. What's the extent of the issue? Yeah, in more than half of all arts and screen and cultural organisations across Australia, there is no leadership from um, people who are from non-Anglo migrant backgrounds. So specifically the term CALD, culturally and linguistically diverse, which refers to um, non-Anglo migrants. Can you give us some examples of the type of organisations you surveyed? 200 organisations were surveyed of leading, what we call leading arts organisations from across Australia and 1,980 positions were looked at. We looked at literature and publishing, visual arts, craft and design, screen and radio, music and opera, museums and heritage, performing arts. Some of them were really surprising. For example, in literature and publishing, 14% of, there are, there's 14% of um, people in positions of leadership who are from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds, whereas in the performing arts, there's only 5%. Representation in the arts is important, but why is it critical we have culturally diverse Australians in leadership positions especially? Leaders have a really significant role because they have a lot of power. They make decisions and set priorities and agendas, and they can also act as gatekeepers. So When you don't have leaders who are from a diversity of backgrounds, ways of seeing and thinking, um, and and specifically from um, non-Anglo migrant backgrounds when our country is 
39%, according to the Australian Human Rights Commission, 39% of us are from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds, then that lack of diversity will, uh, in leadership can often then be reflected in the programming, employment, casting and the audiences. Do you think if we had more diverse leadership groups, it would affect what we see on our screens, in our theatres, museums and on our panels? Yeah, I do. I think that if we had more diverse leadership, we would see more diversity in terms of the content that's being produced and also it would open up audiences. There would be, you know, um, you know, greater engagement. Um, and, you know, it's, you know, just part of the story when only certain films get made or certain uh, productions get, um, get commissioned or put up when, you know, there's so many stories that need to be shared. So it's just some of the narrative of this, um, you know, of our communities when, when you, and when you don't have that full narrative, then you don't have that engagement. Beverly Wang, who you might know as a podcaster and radio, um, radio producer and presenter on, um, ABC RN. And she said, you know, she talked about the saying of what you can't see, you can't be. And that is so true. So when you don't see your stories represented or when you don't see people like you represented in leadership roles, then you assume that that isn't possible for you, but also that your stories are not important or less significant. Um, and that's really troubling for our society and really troubling for younger people as well, that if, when they don't grow up seeing themselves reflected in the arts. The arts is really critical to seeing ourselves, you know, to, to enable us to kind of reflect upon ourselves and to be able to kind of see ourselves. Why do you think so many culturally diverse Australians are missing from leadership positions in the arts? Yeah, so I think that there's these these issues are systemic and um, and you know kind of they require that systems are changed and um, just bringing people into pre-existing systems that are actually inequitable in the way that they're structured isn't going to bring about sustainable change or, bring, or, or introducing short-term initiatives for a year or even three years, you know, that, that isn't going to make change. These initiatives need to be committed to long-term. I do think the systems are, you know, systems are often self-perpetuating. So if you don't have that diversity within the sector, then you might not be able to then also draw people in. You know, and I've seen this a lot in various industries. Someone who's got connections already in that industry and they might be like um, a third-generation writer, for example, or, you know, might work in the media and their parents worked in the media and their parents' parents worked in the media. So, you know, quite often those systems can, you know, um, be kind of, you know, can continue in that way and bringing in people um, and that they're not always opening up to other communities and other ideas and ways of doing things and, and of, of being a leader. And how do we turn this around? Well, we're strongly recommending that all funding needs to be tied to meeting a minimum, you know, diversity outcomes in countries like um, England, the Arts Council England and the British Film Institute have diversity standards and they require a minimum of, um, you know, a minimum of uh, areas of diversity to be met in order to be in receipt of public funding. And, you know, we don't actually have in Australia yet an arts policy 
and we don't have uh, any kind of strong policy really. There is elitism in a lot of art, art form areas. Quite often a lot of the things that are getting funded and supported can come from a very European and a particular kind of European background and that means that a lot of very diverse art forms, um, whatever that means, but, you know, are, are kind of excluded. And I can think of a really concrete example of that, which is a Indian dancer who we know who came to Australia on an exceptional talent visa and has never, for, for her art form as a dancer, so she's one of the best recognised dancers in the world, but has never been able to get any public funding, art funding for her art form area because it's not seen, you know, as being contemporary Australian. So there are a multiple, um, there are multiple ways that, that people kind of get locked out of these, um, of these roles. There seems to be an aversion to the arts among some ethnic communities because there's seen to be a lack of job prospects and stability. Do you think that this could also be a roadblock to progress in the industry for some Australians from culturally diverse backgrounds? Well, look, I've kind of heard this a lot, right? I mean, I've been working in this space, um, particularly with diverse communities in Western Sydney, but now our organisation, this is a different organisation, Diversity Arts is National, um, and I've heard this argument a lot, you know, and I get it to some extent. You know, I hear people say to me, but isn't it that migrants are settling and they want their kids to, you know, earn good incomes and they don't encourage them to go into the arts because the arts is poorly funded. But I, I've worked a lot with newly arrived migrants over the years who are artists with really established practices, uh, particularly kind of um, migrant artists who've come from refugee backgrounds. So over the years I've worked with um, Sierra Leonean um, kind of writers and journalists with Afghan visual artists with Iraqi visual artists so and, and filmmakers and so actually uh, that's just you know often avoiding <laughs> avoiding the critical issue which is why aren't these people able to kind of practice their art fully when they come to Australia. So what's Diversity Arts Australia calling for now what are the next steps? Yeah so we're well one of the things that's really useful that we've put on our website is a um is a kind of audit tool that organisations or like even FBI could do it if you, if you all wanted to get together and kind of go through um, a tool and kind of look at the diversity of your organisation as an opportunity to kind of reflect on all the different areas within your within your company or organisation and make change and have those critical conversations. We're kind of going to be working hard with our partners to get the recommendations from the report actually, you know, acted upon. Um, and we are working on, with the British Council, a leadership program, a peer-to-peer leadership program called Intersect that we're, uh, the year two is next, next week, which again is kind of uh, based on the consultations that we did with the sector. It's mid-career um, leaders from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds and First Nations backgrounds in the UK and in Australia who, um, will meet, who meet together for a week over there and in the UK and a week So there's a lot of different initiatives that we're working on. But what's really awesome about this is we've known this anecdotally for a long time, but it's such a a relief and um, just a fantastic thing to actually have done this research and to have this data because we know that this is the way the system works. You know, we need that evidence-based data. Uh, Otherwise, we can't 
kind of progress towards the next stage of substantive change. The, the Australian taxpayer even pays for the toilet paper she uses. Does she go down to the chemist to buy the tampons? Or is the Australian taxpayer paying for those as well? Fact chat, your alternative to talk back. That was Diversity Art Australia's Lena Nalus speaking to our producer Natalie Sekolovska about the importance of cultural representation in the Australian arts. And now we've got a track off the debut EP of Central Coast artist Lou Parker. It's a banger and it's called Remove.